Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, the mechanical bull could be mine, or it could be stolen, or it could be hacked, or it could be Russian information, or it could be stolen. It's high noon for Friday, April 9th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Parlor at I'm your moderator and you can find very triggering shirts at www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 79th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. He is also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth, Hunter Biden, whose greatest accomplishment for the world is unintendedly teaching everyone what a foot job is. So congratulations, communists. You've restored dignity to America. That said, welcome, redeemable communists, to this episode of Be Reasonable. And if this is your first episode, congratulations. You're only about 20 episodes away from becoming an American again. But until we reach that point, you are still a communist. And as a communist, you are unfortunately subject to my criticism, derision, and ridicule until you stop embodying anti-American philosophies that are in total opposition to not only human rights and human dignity, but are so stupid that they are actually a black mark against human intelligence. So as long as we understand each other, I think it'll be a lovely ride. Now, somehow, all of media found out about Hunter Biden's laptop six months after 
this information was widely available to the entire world. That is, whoever bothered to look. Of course, we were told that this was very dangerous information that the public was not allowed to have. And just to ensure that everyone knew how dangerous it was, a group of 50 former intelligence officials, all of whom are anti-American communist liars and traitors to their country, they wrote a letter that, without any supporting evidence, claimed that this laptop has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. And then fake president usurper Joe Biden went on to the debate stage and said that Hunter Biden's laptop has been totally discredited. And it had not been discredited at all by anyone. We just found some American traders who were happy to say that it might be fake in their very expert opinion. And now I've talked about the contents of Hunter's laptop quite a lot and what I think that that means. But what I'm interested in right now is the timing of these events, because if news organizations like Fox News and whoever else is now reporting on this were honest and had integrity and were doing their job, they would have reported all of this in October of last year. Of course, they were concerned that somehow this information becoming public was going to harm Joe Biden in his effort to save the world from Donald Trump. And so they rejected claims about integrity or truth or the ethics of journalism. They had one priority only, and that was to go along with the central narrative. And this just wasn't going to fit. So over the weekend, Hunter's interviews about his book came out and he obviously lied about whether or not the laptop might be real and might be his. And now, it, of course, it's out in the media that it's been forensically examined and it 100% is his, which, of course, again, we already knew because there were signed receipts at the computer repair shop where he dropped it off in 2019. There was never any question about whether or not Hunter Biden's laptop was real and it was his. The only reason we imagine that there was some doubt about that is because of how it was presented to us and because the communists out there are happy to trust 50 former intelligence officials so long as they are also repeating the same slogans. If everyone can go out and repeat the same slogans, it really doesn't matter if they're lying or if they're corrupt or if they're doing something inherently anti-American. We don't care about that. We just care about the fact that they are saying the thing that helps us. But Hunter's interviews over the weekend kind of alerted, I think, a lot of the country who had no idea about this story that there really was something here. Hunter really is a crack smoking prostitute ordering. I'm trying to be very polite. <laughs> degenerate. A crack smoking prostitute ordering degenerate. <laughs> Gun license lying. Foreign business dealing traitor to his country degenerate. I don't want to have to think up an entire new introduction now. So I'm going to leave this idea alone forever. But once Normie Commie America sees that and realizes, oh, wow, yeah, I mean, I guess they're presenting him in a good light. But did he just say he was digging through the rugs for Parmesan cheese to smoke? He, he did say that, right? I mean, that's the, uh, the illegitimate president's son who's saying that. Oh, huh. Man, I was told by uh, Don Lemon that that was for sure disinformation. Wow, that's weird. Don Lemon never lies to me. Bzz. And little commie brains just short circuit at that point.
But what the mainstream media did by giving Hunter these platforms to try to sell his fake book, which was actually written by a guy named Drew Jubera, J-U-B-E-R-A. And as I said, from the very beginning, there is no way in the world Hunter Biden is writing this book. And it turns out he didn't. Everyone's shocked, right? All the reviews saying how touching it is, how sincere and heartfelt this story of struggle is. Well, maybe. But Hunter didn't write it. So what the mainstream media did was try to set Hunter's narrative for him by throwing him softball questions, letting it seem like he's this nice, lovable guy that just has some demons and never did anything wrong, never did business for his father, never sold American interests abroad on behalf of his father. That's not who Hunter is. They wanted to get their story out first. But there's this thing called the Streisand effect that I talk about without naming, you know, I don't even, it, it seems like one of those ideas that doesn't really need like one of those names. Like no one discovered the Streisand effect. <laughs> like when people start talking about something, they bring publicity to it, even when they're trying to deny that that thing is real. And that was the purpose of Hunter's interview over the weekend. They wanted to set the narrative. All they did was basically tell America, oh, hey, you remember that thing that we told you not to look at? Well, yeah, that thing, that thing's real, but just be sure not to look at it any more than this. The reality, the excuse for people was that the reality was other than it is. They, they had the ability to retain in some way that they felt was legitimate to retain the idea that the laptop was fake and that the contents of the laptop were fake and that none of this meant anything because this was just one big setup on the part of evil Donald Trump to keep power. It wasn't. It was a setup on the part of the communists and Joe Biden to get power that was a cover-up. The laptop is real. What's on it's real. By doing the interviews over the weekend, Hunter and the mainstream media showed that to people. So, of course, no one should be surprised a few days later when the media actually starts doing their job and telling the public what's actually on the computer. So sometime yesterday in the afternoon, the Daily Mail published an article. And of course, the Daily Mail is like the UK, right? They published an article exclusive. What wasn't in Hunter Biden's book, how he got unauthorized Secret Service protection, begged Joe to run for White House to salvage his own reputation and made porn films with prostitutes. Forensic experts prove laptop is president's son's. Now, I'm just going to read the bullet points here. This is an article that everybody should read. It's really long, and there's a lot of information. There's Hunter's text messages. There's images of Hunter, and I'm sure you don't want to see all of those, but you kind of got to because you really do have to know what's going on. And one of the pictures, the one that's made uh, the rounds the most, it seems, is Hunter naked on a bed with two... Let's call them hookers <laughs> sitting on top of him back to back, like straddling him. And then there's some unfortunate, sad dog on the bed as well. And genuinely, this room looks like the bedroom of a 24 year old girl who doesn't have a job and her dad pays for things, but she doesn't know how to keep her life in order, <laughs> which would explain how she has a friend and she and her friend ended up with a guy like Hunter Biden. And the, uh, the daily mail caption to that photo is on Hunter's laptop. He had his own profile on porn site, Pornhub, where there was content of him in bed with two women with a small dog nearby. 
Hunter photographed and filmed himself often with two prostitutes at a time in explicit videos. That sounds very presidential. So the bullet points here, just so that you have an idea of the scope of this thing. Hunter Biden released his tell-all memoir, Beautiful Things, on Tuesday, but left out shocking details. Now, I wrote an email to uh, Drew Jubera, uh, who was the one who wrote this book for Hunter Biden, because as you might imagine, if you have read any of Hunter's texts, Hunter cannot write and cannot spell and often has a difficult time uh, speaking in complete sentences, much like his father. So I wrote to Drew Jubera this morning and invited him onto the show. And at the end of the email, the last paragraph in the email, I said, you know, I know you have kind of a unique situation after all being the guy who wrote this book for Hunter Biden. But I said, were you able as a ghostwriter to work around the legal requirements of sending evidence of crimes to legal authorities? As I'm sure you know, that laptop contains explosive evidence of corrupt uh, political dealings involving Joe Biden, BGY compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, Hunter's archive of self-filmed pornography, and the evidence of him endangering minors or worse. So, I want to know what Drew thinks of that. I'm afraid he may not ever write me back, but it is interesting that a person takes an assignment like this and then writes a book that tries to make a character like this look like a good guy and then just never says anything about it. I really want to know, hey, Drew. Did you review the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop? You wrote his book. If you didn't review the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, why not? If you did review the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, how come they're not in the book? And how come you didn't take this to the proper authorities? Or did you just think that these crimes against America and against children were not a big deal? I hope someone has the opportunity to ask Drew Jubera this, and I hope it gets to be me. Maybe I'm completely wrong about this man's character. Maybe he actually is just a great guy <laughs> who figured he would write this book behind the scenes and never tell anybody about it <laughs> and take the money and then never have to answer questions like that. That's, you know, like a, a really good guy. And I'm sure Drew Jubera is exactly that type of guy and that he would be happy to come on my podcast and tell me how good of a guy he is and answer all the questions about Hunter Biden's laptop that he accidentally probably left out of the book more bullet points dailymail.com can reveal those secrets after contents of his abandoned laptop including a cache of 103,000 text messages 154,000 emails and more than 2,000 photos were verified by top forensics experts when did that happen daily mail Hunter left his MacBook Pro laptop at a Wilmington Delaware computer repair shop in April 2019 and never returned for it in text from 2019 hunter begged his father to run for president to salvage hunter's own reputation now i think and that's the way that's re being reported in a bunch of outlets i don't think that that's an accurate portrayal of that particular text message hunter asked his dad to run for president so that he could have a chance at redemption and that is a different thing Redemption can have a lot of meanings. Reputation is pretty straightforward. If Joe Biden didn't run for president, none of us would know Hunter Biden's reputation. So I'm inclined to think that that is not the angle Hunter was going for in that text message. I think he actually wanted a chance at the sort of redemption you would get by acting to right your wrongs. Not just a simple clear up of your reputation.
I could be wrong. It's just my reading. Hunter repeatedly dodged police action against him, despite constantly dealing with drug dealers and prostitutes and having multiple runs in run ins with the law. Yeah. How did he accomplish that? Oh, here it is. The president's son was guarded by a Secret Service agent while on a 2018 drug and prostitute binge in Hollywood, despite not being entitled to protection at that time. Guess who else wasn't? Joe Biden. But I'm sure that they did it all above board and that the Secret Service has records of all this. Oh, no, wait, they don't. Oh, that's strange. So that makes it sound like Joe Biden might have exerted his political power and influence over the Secret Service, over police agencies and whoever else to make sure that his degenerate son could continue on his drug binge, his irresponsible treatment of a firearm, his endangerment of minors, including in the Biden family, his sexual peccadilloes, let's say his unique tastes and proclivities, for instance, like foot jobs and filming his sexual relations with random people. And by the way, girls, don't let guys do that. I mean, this is the sort of advice that you would have gotten from your fathers if you had relationships with them. But since you don't and you find yourself in these situations, don't do that. It has never occurred to me in my life that I should begin filming the sex I'm having with someone. Seriously, that's not my thing. I know that that's some people's thing. And if you're in a relationship or you trust a person or you get off on it, listen, no judgment. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is if you go find some weird creep like this who you're going to have one night with and maybe never speak to again in your life. And I'm not even saying that's creepy. Maybe you just like a guy. I'm not opposed to one night stands. You guys do whatever the hell you want in your sexual lives. That's what I've always said. That's what I always will say. But the idea that you're going to meet a relative stranger on a casual encounter and allow that person to take video evidence of you Doing those things, you got a mental problem, okay? Like, I don't care about how open you are. I know I'm not trying to shame anybody, but be smarter. If you don't understand by this point in 2021 how information, especially private information, can be used against you, then you are missing something critical here. These people should be happy that so far, the pictures that have been released have faces blurred out. If these pictures ever come out without the faces blurred out, well, then you find yourself in a pretty embarrassing situation, especially if you're Lady Gaga or like Malia Obama. And I'm just pulling those names out of a hat, of course. Hunter appeared to be obsessed with making porn films with prostitutes. Videos and photos on his laptop show. Yes. And he also made his own channel on Pornhub so that he could upload these. Now, maybe Hunter gets some sort of strange pleasure from knowing that people are watching him have sex with these girls on the Internet. Maybe. Right. Maybe Hunter prefers <laughs> to watch his own videos via the Pornhub platform rather than simply watching them on his computer. Maybe, right? I'm trying to think of any justification for this sort of thing. Maybe he's just a mind-bent drug addict who doesn't know any better and he just thinks it's funny. Maybe. Or, or maybe... He's putting it up there so specific people can watch. And obviously, I don't know which one of these is true. If any, there might be other possibilities that I haven't explored. But it's very, very odd for a person who knows what position he's in, who grew up in a politically corrupt family, who knows 
that he is supposed to be covering his tracks at all times so that they don't have to use further resources to cover his tracks. And that's what it means for the Bidens to be abusing Secret Service protection and obviously breaking laws by having the Secret Service help them and then not record it. I'm pretty sure there's probably some rules and regulations about that. And this actually also might tell you a little bit about how politicians use the Secret Service and the things that the Secret Service is willing to do for corrupt politicians. But Hunter should have known not to do something like this. So there has to be a deeper meaning to it. And again, I've explored this possibility on this podcast before as long ago as last fall when this thing first started becoming public. I believe that there is a strong chance that Hunter did this stuff on purpose. If you pay attention to Hunter's communications with his father and with the other communications in that family, uh, the way that they treat one another, the fact that Hunter began sleeping with his brother's wife before his brother died and then formed a relationship with that woman after his brother died and then took that relationship and tried to add that woman's sister into it as well. This is not a normal family. Okay. These are not people who have respect for one another. They don't have respect for any common sense of morality. And there is, and I could be reading too much into it, but from what I see of Hunter Biden, there is this simmering hatred that he possesses for Joe Biden. And a lot of that probably comes from how they were treated in childhood, how, you know, Hunter and his brother were in the car crash that killed their mom and their baby sister and how Joe took pictures in their hospital room. He he got his swearing in done in the hospital room with his sons and casts. And he immediately started dating Jill, who he had already been dating before his first wife died. And I'm sure that Hunter is aware of his sister Ashley's experience with Joe Biden. She wrote in her diary that he was having inappropriate showers with her while she was nine years old. So Hunter knows all of this. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he actually does on some maybe subconscious level hate his father. He wanted his father to get exposed with this stuff. I don't understand any other way that someone can be this stupid, this public, this willing to record themselves doing bad things, this publicly corrupt, and then to take the computer with all of that information on it to a computer repair shop and just leave it there until the repair shop owner actually calls the FBI. Now, if you hadn't first heard the story about how all this happened, how we believe it happened, and you don't have the automatic thought that like, oh my God, I can't believe he left it there. That's so stupid. What a druggie. I can't believe he did that. Those are the easy thoughts. I know a bunch of people who do a bunch of drugs and have done a bunch of drugs. This is beyond the normal level of self-destructive behavior exhibited by a drug addict. You would think that in moments of clarity, whether they were two days apart or two weeks apart or two months apart, Hunter would have at some point been like, oh man, I can't believe what I left on that computer that's all down at that shop. I better go get it back. What do you think? The shop owner wasn't going to give it to him if he returned? Of course he would. But he never returned. Are we to believe that he had no moments of clarity? Are we to believe that he forgot where he took his computer? I don't believe those things. And so there has to be another explanation. And it seems to me like that explanation is Hunter left it there on purpose because this stuff, of course, would come out. And again, I can't support this. But it sounds to me like that might be 
the sort of redemption Hunter Biden would have wanted. To be like, hey, dad, you did this to us your entire lives. You are basically immorality and evil incarnate, and you have done nothing but exploit the worst tragedies in your family for your entire career and sold your office to moneyed interests. So if Hunter has a shred of decency and morality in his body, then he would be doing this to his father on purpose and should because his father is a heinous, disgraceful American. And I imagine that this story will continue to increase in importance, not just because of the scandal factor, though there surely is that. There is overwhelming evidence of Joe Biden committing crimes on that laptop. He is selling his office to foreign adversaries. There is no doubt about it. And, you know, I just want to say, like, kind of on my own behalf, but on the behalf of pretty much all of us who are on the same page about what we see happening in America. And I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, then you're on the same page as I am. But I know I'm not the only one doing these things. And the people listening to this show are not the only ones on our team. But for all of us, we've spent the last year at least being called crazy and insane for actually believing what we can see with our own eyes and realize and understand with our own brains. And that's really annoying to have to deal with that, especially knowing that a few months down the line, this time it was six months down the line, we are validated in the things that we said six months ago. The problem is six months ago is when it really mattered for this stuff to be known. And by the way, I'm not like dooming here. It'll matter again, and that's fine. But six months ago is when it should have been known by the American populace because this scandal, this computer by itself, if we were in a normal, legitimate, fair environment with legitimate elections and a press that cared about its duty to the people, they would have gotten rid of Joe Biden as a candidate and replaced him, even with two weeks to go. Maybe they would have just pushed Kamala up and found her a new person. Joe Biden would be entirely unelectable. Joe Biden would have been entirely unelectable if a fraction of this came out 20 years ago. Because people would have known about it and they wouldn't have stopped thinking about this and talking about this and learning about this. Until now, they would have spent the entire time on it because this story's insane. But instead, we just got it covered up. The thing is, though, the truth comes out, man. You got to have faith in that. You know, take your time, do the hard work and try to discern truth. But when you get to that point, you got to speak truth. And it doesn't matter who calls you crazy or gets upset. If those people are not going to like you anymore because you're telling them the truth, then those people aren't your friends, okay? They're showing you that their friendship is conditioned on you repeating the slogans like they do. Do not be one of those people. You don't have to be. No one can force you to be. They can't shame you into hating yourself unless you hate yourself, okay? Their opinions need to become meaningless to you because they are meaningless. They're based on nothing. They're calling you a bad person. So they don't have to contend with the fact that you aren't a bad person. And instead, you're telling them a true thing about the world that just so happens to rock their sense of reality. They have a false sense of reality. This revelation is coming to them sooner or later. We knew the truth about COVID a year ago. Some of us said it. 
We got shut down. We got censored. We got our social media accounts shadow banned or outright banned. We got all our posts fact checked, even though we know they're true, which is basically just an AI run campaign to paint people like me as perpetual liars. Every post I post, oh, there's another fact check. There's another fact check. There's another fact check. That's what the social media companies did to the people using their product if they weren't repeating the slogans. And I still believe that they will see justice for that one day. And I can't wait for that day. But the point is, the truth comes out. And if you don't think that the truth about voter fraud is going to come out or is already coming out, I don't know what to tell you. It's coming. And when it comes, when the country realizes that, the country is not going to be satisfied with just saying, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it only affected the November 3rd election, but we'll fix it for next time. No, that's not what it's going to be about. Okay. People aren't just going to suck that up and say, oh, we'll get them next time. No. People who knew the truth on November 4th and every day since have been marginalized by the mainstream culture in America in every possible way. We've been called liars and stupid and domestic terrorists. We've been said that we somehow are telling the big lie by people who don't understand what the concept of the big lie is. This is what we've all dealt with. The truth is coming. I said last late spring, I guess, what was it? June? Because it was the end of May when the event happened. But I said that George Floyd died from a fentanyl overdose. That's because George Floyd died from a fentanyl overdose. And you can know that just by objectively looking at the facts that were available at that time. And today in court under sworn testimony, the medical examiner said the same thing. Do you think anyone in Hollywood knows that? Do you think all these morons posting their black squares on Instagram so that they could say, hey, I don't like racism, too. OK, racist, no one thought you were going to, but thank you for warning us. That's really what it is. They're just flagging themselves, putting their hand up. Hey, 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 I'm part of the problem. Look over here. Check out my black square. I'm, I'm the problem. I believe I just solved racism with a black square on Instagram. That is what communists think is the mark of a smart, good person. Putting that black square up on your Instagram. Doesn't matter what happened in the situation. Doesn't matter that you don't know anything about the situation. Get out there and march. You dumb fucks. And then create justifications for why burning down the country isn't a bad thing. Oh, well, you know, black people have been oppressed for so many years that even when criminals get shot by police or criminals die from overdoses in the hands of police. That's because of racism. So a bunch of little white Antifa kids funded by George Soros and Black Lives Matter, an organization that records where none of their money goes, that's all justified because we're going to solve racism. Hey, black people, don't worry. We see how bad it is out there. You guys are all criminals who get shot by the cops. How sad. We're going to fix it. We've got this. We're going to beat on buildings with sticks. These are the stupidest people on earth, okay? Communists are not smart. There is no smart communist. If you were smart, you could think your way out of communism. The fact that you can't think your way out of communism makes you among the stupidest people in the world. You don't get extra credit because you look good or you're famous or you're an influencer. You've got a big following. You're Chris Cuomo with a television show where you pretend to know about things. No, these are the stupidest people on earth. And we need to stop pretending that they are worthy of this totally unjustified respect that we pay them 
because we think that they have a prominent position in our society. Enough of that. Enough. These people do not deserve our respect. We deserve theirs. And until they start paying it to us, fuck them. Every single commie, every single one. I'm not saying we need to kill them. I'm saying we need to show them who they really are. This is a mirror to their faces. You are liars. You are frauds. You don't know what you're talking about. We can see you. I'm not putting up with any of that talk from anyone. A commie comes at me. They are getting the guns of the Navarone. That's it. I don't care who the commie is. I don't care what their job is. I don't care how well they know me or think they know me or how well I know them. They are going to get the truth and only the truth and nothing but the fucking truth. But of course, they can't handle the truth. So they will call you racist. They will get mad and they will end the conversation. That is how you know that someone does not respect their relationship with you. Now, again, I'm joking and I'm exaggerating here. Like I will talk to my family about this stuff, but I don't pull punches. I don't insult them, but I do let them know that there is a moral cost on the ignorance you are exhibiting. There is. Last year, the communists tried to tell us that if we didn't listen to them about masks, we were killing somebody's grandmother. That's something they really tried to pull on us. And they did it over and over and over and over again until the culture was entirely saturated with that being a valuable narrative. It isn't. During that time, they justified rioters shining lasers in the eyes of the federal officers protecting the courthouse in Portland. They justified these rioters shitting into bags and then throwing those at police like water balloons. Am I making that up? Of course not. Did our culture pretend that the people doing that were smart and thoughtful and conscientious and on a mission from God, apparently? Yeah, that's what our culture pretended. We stood by while governors in blue states put sick people into nursing homes, killing people unnecessarily. We know they did it. There's no question about whether or not they did it. But all five of those governors who did it still have their jobs. Thankfully, Gavin Newsom is being recalled. Andrew Cuomo has had something like 30 women come out against him. And he's still in office. No one's complaining about him. You got these communist retards like Molly Jong Fast, who writes for the Daily Beast. I guess she's an editor over there. She's tweeting this morning about how she can't believe Matt Gates is still on his committees. Hey, Matt Gates has been accused with no evidence and no accuser. Matt Gates is literally being slandered by hearsay rumors. For real, that's even what the people accusing him say about their knowledge of the situation. Oh, no, these are just rumors that have been around town. And we just wanted to make sure that that Matt Gates would have a chance to buy us off before we started telling people about these rumors. Listen to Bob Kent's interview with Chris Cuomo. You can hear him saying this. I'm not making this up. Where is Molly Jong Fast complaining that Eric Swalwell is still on the Intelligence Committee? Eric Swalwell was dating a Chinese spy. And she was like staffing his office and helping him in politics. And now he's on the House Intelligence Committee because Nancy Pelosi leaves him there and wouldn't want to admit to the public. That this thing they've heard of is actually true because then they can say, oh, well, pff, if that was true, Nancy Pelosi would have taken him off the committee. What, commie? That's not how anything works. That's as dumb as the commie mantra where they say, oh, well, if that was true, the media would have reported on it. Okay, child brain. 
Thank you for letting me know that you should no longer be involved in any adult decisions that affect me. And I'm going to do my best to stay far away from you for the rest of my life so that you don't call the brown shirts on me. Okay, so speaking about the Streisand effect, as we were earlier, let's look at a couple more examples. These are both in the election fraud arena. Uh, First, there's this report from WSB. TV.com. Uh, this is in Atlanta news station. Georgia's Secretary of State refers three counties for investigation over absentee ballots. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger said three counties violated absentee ballot regulations during the 2020 election. Raffensperger said he referred Coffee, Grady, and Taylor counties for investigation after he said the counties, quote, failed to do their absentee ballot transfer forms in violation of Georgia rules and regulations, end quote. According to the Secretary of State's office, the counties failed to fill out the necessary forms as required. The three counties accounted for 0.37% of all the absentee ballots cast in the November election, Raffensperger said. Quote, since day one, I have made securing Georgia's election a top priority, and I have not stopped working since then, Raffensperger said. Though the overwhelming majority of counties did what they were supposed to do, this demonstrates that new steps need to be taken to fully secure our elections. Securing elections is work that is never truly finished. Now, Brad Raffensperger saying this stuff is hysterical because obviously we know he's a complete fraud and liar and covering up overwhelming evidence of election fraud. I love when he says, though the overwhelming majority of counties did what they were supposed to do. Oh, how big is the overwhelming majority, Brad And can you tell us, Brad, if Fulton County is in one of the is in the category of the counties that did what they were supposed to? Pretty sure they weren't pretty sure you got some other ones there, too, Brad, but not these ones. Thank you for showing us these ones, though, Brad. I know that these ones only make up for point three seven percent of the overall absentee ballot vote. But, yeah, focus on these ones because your work is never done. Very important work. The secretary of state's office said absentee ballot drop boxes were allowed by the emergency rule of the state election board to address the absentee ballot voting surge caused by COVID-19. Lie, 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 The emergency rule required counties with drop boxes to fill out ballot transfer forms that included the date, time, location and number of ballots in the drop boxes whenever election officials collected ballots from the drop box. In total, 123 counties had absentee ballot drop boxes for the November election. Of those, 120 have confirmed they filled out and retained ballot transfer forms in accordance with Georgia rules. Now, that part is also wrong, but it's nice that they just asked the counties or maybe they asked Brad. There are 400,000 ballots in Georgia without a chain of custody from these drop boxes. These are the Mark Zuckerberg drop boxes. Okay, this is part of the system Zuckerberg paid for. And this is exactly one of the ways that system gets abused. Also, the emergency was not COVID-19. The emergency was that Donald Trump was going to destroy Joe Biden. And so they pulled out all the stops, including all these obviously illegal ones. Then they tried to run the clock out. And again, I read you that article from Raffensperger the other day where he was talking about how great a job he did. It just unfortunately is not at all true. So let's go to just the news. This article is from yesterday by Daniel Payne. Watchdog group files formal complaint in Wisconsin alleging private control over election process. A formal complaint filed in Wisconsin on Thursday alleges that public officials allowed private agents to, quote, control significant aspects of the 2020 elections, end quote, up to and including vote counting and the curing of disputed ballots. The filing with the Wisconsin Elections Commission's announced in a press release from the Election Integrity Watchdog Group, the Amistad Project, this is Phil Klein's project, claims that. Emails obtained through public records requests revealed that the Green Bay, Wisconsin mayor's office, quote, handed over the keys to the vote counting room and quote to a local Democratic operative, one who, quote, worked with the Center for Tech and Civic Life. That's Zuckerberg to bring in Democrat 
political consultants and lawyers to set election policy in the presidential election, end quote. The Center for Tech and Civic Life, a nonprofit voting advocacy group, generated controversy during the 2020 election for having plowed millions of dollars into local election systems in what it said was an effort to ensure safe and easy voting last year. Again, totally false. This is the Zuckerberg Chan initiative. The entire goal of the project was to steal the election. This isn't a secret. Many, many articles have been written about it, but they all portray the Zuckerberg group in a good light. And you're expected to read it that way because everybody knows how bad Trump is and how the only priority last year was getting Trump out of office. No matter how many diseases we have to make up, no matter how many people we have to kill, no matter how many buildings we burn down or cities we destroy, it's all worth it. Because Trump is so bad. The Amistad Project claimed that, quote, several other left-leaning political advisors and lawyers were involved in deciding Green Bay's internal counting room policy and the city's targeting specific voter demographics favorable to Democrat Party candidates for outreach and voter turnout efforts, end quote. Another quote, this time from Phil Klein. Private interests dictating how government manages elections, ensures public doubt about election outcomes, and involves government in playing favorites. The Amistad Project, quote, also filed a document detailing the minimum investigatory effort necessary to gain an understanding of who managed the 2020 election, the press release said. The truth is coming. It is coming faster and faster every day. I know a lot of people out there are getting frustrated, and I guess on some level I understand it, but the truth is I really don't. Because what I see every day is us getting wins. www.win.com. Uh, we're piling up wins every day. There are no losses, okay? Joe Biden announcing a gun plan? Yes, it's some dystopian bullshit, but it's not a loss. He's just pushing people farther in our direction so that when the truth does come out, we will be able to act on it. OK, all that matters is the narrative and how it shifts. Of course, the facts on the ground matter. Right. But in terms of the way people think about these issues and how willing they are to accept the truth and then how willing they might be to overturn this election, all of that is dependent on the narrative. So the wins need to come from the narrative first or else the solution to all of this, if it ends up being military, if it ends up in a riot state or whatever, it's going to be a lot more difficult to stave off a civil war and to stave off political violence, widespread political violence. If we can't get the narrative right first. OK, and. Again, I was all for thinking that this thing had to be solved by the 20th of January. All right. I was trying to figure out whichever way it could possibly make sense that it would get solved by then. And my thinking was that if and when this happens, we will have enough security forces around to manage the problems until people wake up to the realities. Like it's been an important project to me to find the redeemable communists in my life and slowly and carefully appeal, appeal to their morality. All right. By showing them the things that they thought they knew, but missed. Okay. I've been doing this with my father for months and my father and I have a great relationship. It is very respectful, but I was raised in a parent in a family that was mostly Democrat and we just always voted Democrat. It, it was never even really talked about. It was just like, we're this kind of person because there was a cultural thing that propelled that. And the unfortunate part is that that cultural thing was entirely based on a lie. All right. So I actually spend a lot of time thinking about how good people can believe these things. And by the way, again, I was one of these people who used to think these things. I voted for Hillary in 2016. And yes, I almost vomit a little bit every time I say it. I also voted for Obama twice, and that makes me sometimes even sicker. But we have to get people at least to the point where they know that they can come to us and trust us and that we have prepared the mental ground for them 
to be able to understand all of the things that they will find shocking are in fact true. They have always been true. And there was a way they could have come to that on their own without it having to be this jarring event. That's always my goal with redeemable communists. Unless they want to go toe to toe. And then I go to plan B, (laughs) which is way more fun, honestly. Now, one more article from Just the News, because this is a follow up on a story that I was talking about, I guess, probably two weeks ago when people somehow just automatically believed the idea that Sidney Powell was trying to defend herself by saying that all of her claims about election fraud were just like a joke and no one would believe her. That's how the news presented it. That was a complete and utter lie. And so just the news here uh, today. This is Nick Sherman, Nicholas Sherman, uh, former Trump attorney Powell defends self against a two point five billion dollar Smartmatic defamation lawsuit. Former Trump attorney Sidney Powell is defending her comments about Smartmatic while trying to overturn the result of the 2020 presidential election and is asking courts to dismiss the two and a half billion dollar defamation lawsuit the election technology company has filed against her. Smartmatic's desperate attempt to suggest I was part of a civil conspiracy to harm the company is not only false, but also still does not allow me to be sued in New York, Powell said Thursday in a statement. Smartmatic fails to even remotely allege any way that I was part of a conspiracy, and for the record, I was not. Smartmatic alleging Powell defamed the company in the aftermath of the 2020 presidential election by claiming its software was hacked and compromised and further alleging that the company was under the corrupt control of dictators from socialist countries. That's not entirely a sentence, but whatever. After saying such statements about several election technology companies, former President Donald Trump distanced himself from Powell. Also not true, but whatever. Quote, Sidney Powell is practicing law on her own. She is not a member of the Trump legal team. She is not a lawyer for the president in his personal capacity. Giuliani and another lawyer for Trump, Jenna Ellis, said in a statement in November, according to the Associated Press. Smartmatic is also suing former Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani and Fox News and several of the cable TV networks hosts for statements they made in the aftermath of the 2020 election. Without any true villain, defendants invented one. Defendants decided to make Smartmatic the villain in their story. Smartmatic says in at least one of the suits, according to NBC News. Powell, in a recent motion to dismiss the case, argued that she could not be sued in New York where Smartmatic filed the suit against her because he did not have sufficient contacts with the state. Perhaps that was supposed to say she. She also argued that her appearances on Fox News do not give the state jurisdiction over her. Powell also says her comments cannot be considered defamatory because the information she shared about Smartmatic voting machines is, quote, backed by sworn affidavits, expert reports and other corroborating evidence, end quote. And that right there is the key. Her statements cannot be defamatory because she has legitimate legal evidence to back up the truth of her claims, making it impossible for her statements to be defamation. She also argues the First Amendment protects her statements about Smartmatic because they are, quote, political speech and were made in connection with active litigation, end quote. I stand by my statements about Smartmatic today. I believe every allegation I have made about Smartmatic and the vulnerability of these machines is true. This case is meritless and should be thrown out entirely. Exactly. Although, maybe if they keep going, Sidney Powell can get to discovery against Smartmatic and Dominion. That would be fantastic. But in the meantime, we still know the truth. We have watched the media and the communists try to take Sidney Powell down over and over and over again. It does not work. Sidney Powell is every bit as convinced she is correct and that the evidence shows and supports her correctness today as she was at the beginning of November. There is nothing else we need to know about this story. Sidney Powell has not gone anywhere. 
She is not going anywhere. She is not backing down from her claims. She is not calling her her claims opinions. She is saying that she has this evidence and her legal opinion is that it means X, Y, Z about Dominion, which she is totally in her rights to do. And I hope this thing gets just all the publicity it can get. Because Sidney Powell is an American hero and will be shown to be. Now, if you guys haven't watched or listened to the last two, I guess they're podcasts or video interviews or whatever with this guy, uh, Professor David K. Clements, it's called like the professor's record, I think is what his show's called. But he had a, a white hat hacker named Josh Merritt on last week or maybe weekend. Spend the time. It's three hours long. You're going to get educated about a bunch of stuff. And then just either last night or this morning, he released a two hour long interview with Jovan Hutton Pulitzer, who is going to be involved in some of the forensic audits in Arizona and Georgia and elsewhere. So that is it. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!